Joe Biden fails to make the case for his own candidacy. Half of young voters think the world will end in a decade, and the left ignores actual scientists, 500 of them, on global warming, all of which reveals an eternal and important and urgent truth about politics. Lies come with a great cost. We will examine the price of lies in politics. Then President Trump defends America at the UN. The Ukraine scandal implicates not just Joe Biden, but other Democrats as well. And Michelle Williams, whoever that is, spreads nonsense at the Emmy Awards. All that and more. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. Boy, oh boy, do we have a lot to get to today. First, though, I've got to thank our wonderful sponsors over at NetSuite. Listen, one of the biggest, most difficult challenges that businesses encounter when they're starting up is that you can't keep track of anything. The problem growing businesses have that keeps them from knowing their numbers is they've got this hodgepodge of business systems. And that is where NetSuite comes in very handy. I've been involved in a lot of startup businesses over the years, including obviously this one. And uh, it, this is always the case. You go in and you say, okay, I'm going to use this this uh, software for this p- aspect of my business, and I'm going to use this for this, and I'm going to use that for that, and then they're not talking to each other. You can't keep track of things, and then time is money. Introducing NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform, giving you the visibility and control you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales. You can manage finance, you manage accounting, you manage orders, you manage HR instantly right from your desktop or phone. That is why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. Looking back, I wish it had occurred to us. I wish this were available when I was starting other businesses because you just do it really quickly to begin with and then it causes headaches down the road. NetSuite is the way to go. Right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. That's netsuite.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to download your free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, netsuite.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. A lot of news to get to today. First bit of news I want to get to is in the 2020 race, because that is what is dominating our, our politics right now. And Joe Biden, who is dominating the Democratic field, keeps failing and failing and failing. And people are blaming a lot of different aspects of Biden's candidacy for why it's falling apart. His age, his teeth, his plastic surgery, his uh, all of these things, his 1994 crime bill, his career. They're trying to blame all of these things. I think it comes down to one character flaw above all. He doesn't believe in anything and he has no regard for the truth. And this is a problem that affects a lot of our politics today. Here's Joe Biden. He's being asked on camera why people should elect him president. He doesn't have an answer. Well, in Iowa, the unemployment rate is two and a half percent. People say they are employed in Iowa and their small businesses are growing. Iowa they picked were, Trump by... Before he, they were employed before he got elected. The president won by 10 percentage points in well, Iowa. I'm not suggesting he didn't win by 10 percentage points. What I'm suggesting is he's not the reason for that unemployment rate being down. But why should people want to make a change, though? Well, that's up to them to decide. Why should they? It's for them to decide. Well, make your case. I'm not going to. 
<laughs> I'm not going to make the case because I can't make the case. Biden makes two big mistakes here. He has two major failings. He can't make the case for himself. And he hasn't been able to make the case for himself at all. I mean, he launched his campaign, his campaign ad against Trump. He basically said, Trump is a big racist, so vote for me. And then he took Trump's Charlottesville comments out of context. He cut out the spot where he explicitly condemned neo-Nazis and white supremacists. And he said, see, Donald Trump likes neo-Nazis and white supremacists. That's all he did in his initial campaign ad for 2020. That's the first problem. He can't make the case for himself. He's just saying Trump is a bad guy. The second problem, a related problem, is he can't actually make the case against Trump. And this reporter who is interviewing him nails him on it. She says, look, the economy's going well. Life is good. People are generally happy with the way things are going. Why would people vote for you? And he says, well, Trump's not responsible for any of that. It's all actually someone else's responsibility, and Trump didn't do any of that. And she has the correct follow-up, which is, okay, maybe that's true. Maybe the great economy that we're living under right now in the Trump administration, maybe that's not thanks to Trump. Maybe that's thanks to Obama or Bush or Bill Clinton or Calvin Coolidge. Whoever it's, is actually responsible for it, things are going well right now. Why would voters want to change? And his answer is astounding. He says, well, yeah, the voters have to make that decision. The question wasn't who makes the decision about whether or not to change. Because the correct answer to that question would be the voters make the decision. The question was, why should people change? Not who, but why? He doesn't know. And she gives him another at bat. She says, okay, you kind of missed that one, but can you tell us, of course the voters are going to make the decision, but why should the voters make the decision to change now? He says, well, they have to make that decision. I don't know. I'm not going to make the case because you don't have a case to make. This is where it would help if Joe Biden believed in anything. This is where it would help if Joe Biden had any regard for the truth. If you have regard for the truth, if you state plain truths, you're going to have angry mobs come after you, especially in politics. That's what politics is. That's what politics always has been. You might remember at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, I was physically attacked because I said men are not women. I gave a speech there a few months ago. The statement I made was men are not women. Very difficult to disagree with that. You could say the sky is blue. You could say two plus two equals four. And there was a mob of people screaming at me from the minute I opened my mouth. I didn't let them shut me up. They stormed out. Some guy comes in and assaults me with some creepy, strange super soaker. That's the price of telling the truth in politics. If you say the world won't end in 12 years, if you say we shouldn't kill our babies. If you say we shouldn't put little children on puberty blockers when they're three years old and, and permanently change their biology, if you exploit children in any way, you're going to have people come after you. That's just the way it is. If you are going to have to take slings and arrows for standing up for the truth, that's, that's the way politics goes. However, it's not all bad news because in the long run, the truth is all you've got. And the great statesmen of history are the ones who stood firm and spoke the truth and didn't cower to mobs. Joe Biden ain't that statesman, okay? He's never been that statesman. I'm not even saying it's necessarily a left-right thing or a Republican-Democrat thing. But it is certainly the case that Joe Biden does not rise to that level. Joe Biden has no regard for the truth. 
He has taken the easy way out in politics again and again his whole life. And now it's coming back to haunt him because now he's up for the big office and he's got the best chance that he's ever had of getting that big office. And it's absolutely hilarious because he doesn't know what to say. The guy ran in 88. He got thrown out of the race for being a liar and a plagiarist. He runs in 2008. He was nothing. Nobody cared about that candidacy. He only became the vice president because Barack Obama hates Hillary Clinton so much he couldn't bear the thought of her being his vice president. Then he runs in 2020 and he actually is the leader of the pack. But what's he going to run on? Politics has changed so much and he has always moved with the wind in politics, but he's been in it so long, 50 years, that it looks absurd for Joe Biden to try to put on the pink hat and look as woke as can be when people know he hasn't been saying those things for his whole career. The, the most hilarious version of this was when he was just recently asked his opinion on gender identity and sexuality in prisons. So specifically the question is, Right now, there is a cultural movement, an ideological movement to redefine sex to gender. So sex is pretty clear. You're a man or a woman. A very, very small number of people have ambiguous genitalia and another very small number of people, though an increasing number of people, suffer from something called gender confusion or gender dysphoria. But there are two sexes, male and female, man and woman. We have a lot of legislation based on these sexes. So for instance, the Title IX legislation says you won't discriminate on the basis of sex. You, you set up uh, sports leagues, for instance, for women because women are physically not as strong as men and so women get their own sports leagues. By redefining sex into gender, you obliterate those sexual protections. So if you redefine sex as gender, all of a sudden the women's sports league ceases to exist because men who identify as women are allowed to participate in the women's sports league. And guess what? They're going to win statistically all of the time. Why? Because men and women are physically different and men are physically stronger than women. That was the point of the legislation in the first place. So now this kind of legislation, this kind of ideology is reaching into the prisons. What Biden was asked was, do you think that men who identify as women, who are convicts, who are going to prison, should be housed in prison with women? Should a guy, six foot two, 240 pounds, double murderer, real tough, scary guy, if he puts on a dress and a wig, frankly, even if he doesn't, but he identifies as a woman, should he be housed in prisons? with women. What could go wrong, right? What could possibly go wrong? Obviously, this is a horrible idea. It puts these women who are in prison in incredible danger, more danger than they're already in being in prison. But because Joe Biden doesn't actually believe in anything, because he has no regard for the truth, because he's willing to tell whatever sort of lies the mob wants him to tell, he goes along with this and he endorses putting male convicts in the female prison. In prison. The determination should be that your sexual identity is defined by what you say it is, not what, in fact, the prison says it is. And in that case, you should be entitled also to OGBYN. Anyway, uh, you didn't ask that question, but you're not (laughs) likely to either, I guess. So I love he does the Biden thing, which is he doesn't understand this issue at all. He obviously doesn't. Frankly, no one understands this issue because they keep changing it every day on gender ideology. So he says, okay, my advisors told me, yeah, the identity of the gender, that's, you've got to do that. And so then the men have to go to the, anyway, never, never, never mind. And he always runs out of steam because 
first of all, the things he's saying are ridiculous. And even Joe Biden realizes that they're going toward illogical ends, but also because he doesn't really believe it. And he didn't really believe the thing he thought before. And he didn't really believe the thing he thought before that. This is obviously ridiculous, but what does it mean? What does it mean for that eternal truth that lies have a price? We'll get to that in a second. First, I have to thank our friends over at Lending Club. Credit card debt can be very, very dangerous. It is very easy to accumulate lots of credit card debt because you just go, you go in, you buy it now, you pay for it later. Everything will be fine. But look, we can never predict the future. Maybe you'll lose a job. Maybe you won't have uh, opportunities to, uh, to pay for that. You don't want to get bogged down with that. Credit card companies rope you in and they leave out the part about paying later with interest. With Lending Club, you can consolidate your debt or pay off credit cards with one fixed monthly payment. Lending Club has helped millions of people regain control of their finances with affordable fixed rate personal loans. No trips to the bank. This is very important for me as a millennial because I never want to leave my couch. No high interest credit cards. Just go to LendingClub.com. Tell them about yourself. Tell them how much you want to borrow. Pick the terms that are right for you. If you're approved, your loan is automatically deposited into your bank account in as little as a few days. Lending Club is the number one peer-to-peer lending platform with over $35 billion in loans issued. Don't get into this awful credit card debt. Don't unnecessarily throw your money at the credit card companies because you're paying high interest rates. Doesn't have to be so hard to get out of debt. With Lending Club, go to LendingClub.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Check your rate in minutes, borrow up to $40,000. That is LendingClub.com slash Knowles, LendingClub.com slash Knowles. All loans made by WebBank member FDIC, equal housing lender. So Biden's statement is obviously ridiculous. But it shows you that difference. What great statesmen do, what significant political figures do is they stand up for the truth and they stand up for the vulnerable. And what hacks do is they don't even so much always contradict the truth as they just ignore it. The greatest example of this, the greatest example of a cynic in history is Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate, when he's talking to Christ, Christ says, I come to bear witness to the truth. And Pilate doesn't say, no, you don't. Or he doesn't say, you're a liar. He doesn't do that. What he says is more damning. He says, what is truth? Shrugs his shoulders, walks away. It's that flippancy that makes you a cynic. And that's what Joe Biden is. That's been his career. And now he's paying the price for that. He's paying the price not even for his active lies, but for his acquiescence to lies, his indifference for lies and his indifference for the truth. Lies have a price lies can whip people up into a frenzy. There is a new poll from Rasmussen. You know, everyone's been talking about climate change all week because there were all these crazy climate change religious rituals going on over the weekend and strange people dancing and all sorts of bizarre activities. There's a new Rasmussen poll out. More than half of young voters believe that humanity will be wiped out within a decade or so. That is an astounding number. Over, it, it, it's even, even a little crazy when you look at the whole voting population. This survey found that over the next 10 to 15 years, 29% of all voters, of all voters, believe it is at least somewhat likely that the earth will become uninhabitable and humanity will be wiped out. Nearly 30% of all voters. 
think that within 10 to 15 years, humanity will be wiped out. Why do they think that? Because cynical politicians and exploitative politicians go out there and they tell us this all the time. I mean, they've been telling us this since the 1970s, and for some reason, their incorrect predictions never seem to matter. They just go back the next day and make more incorrect predictions. But we've been told by AOC, very famously, that the world is going to end in 12 years. We were then told by Beto O'Rourke the world is going to end in 10 years. We were then told by uh, the UK's Prince Charles, a whole slew of predictions, could be 35 years, could be 35 months, could be 14 months, could be, they keep moving the goalposts. AOC just said that Miami is going to be underwater within two years. Why are they saying this? Are they saying this because they think it's true? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that they really believe that. If, if they did, if they really believed that, probably AOC would move out of New York. I mean, that's pretty low area. It's pretty close to the water. She'd probably move a little more inland. If they really believed that we were on the brink of extinction, the UK's Prince Harry, who had been posting all over social media about how we must protect the environment, this is the most important issue of the day, it then came out he flew on a private jet four times in 11 days. If they really were concerned about this, they would do something much more than this kind of shallow virtue signaling and this fear-mongering. I suspect what this is really about is they don't know if the world is going to end in, I don't know, three, 400 years, or if it's going to end at all. They really have no idea when it's going to end, but I don't, I, I actually don't think they care. I don't think it's about that at all. I think they see climate change as a very useful way of getting, coincidentally, all of the policies that the left has wanted for a hundred years pushed through legislatures and pushed through the international community. And so they're just going to say it. Not because they think it's true, not because they think it's wrong just because they're cynics, just because it helps them. It's politically convenient. There's a cost to this. If you now have 51% of voters under 35 who believe that it is at least somewhat likely that humanity will be wiped out in the next decade or so, something has gone horribly wrong. That is really detrimental to, to, to society. That is really an awful thing to do, to whip up half of the young population, particularly young people who are particularly vulnerable, to whip them up into a frenzy of anxiety and stress and despair because they think that humanity is going to be wiped off the earth in a decade just so that you can raise taxes, just so that you can get a little more control over industry, just so that you can transfer wealth from one group of people you don't like to a group of people that you do like. It's disgusting. It's awful to do that. That's what cynics do. I don't think history will look very kindly on those people, but they do a great job of whipping up the mob. And ironically, it's the mob who are, who are being exploited here. This tells you, if you've got half people or, or more than half of young voters who's thinking that humanity will be wiped off the face of the earth within 10 years, it shows you that climate change increasingly and finally has ceased to be scientific. It, it just isn't a scientific matter at all. If it were, half of young voters wouldn't think that humanity is on the verge of extinction. H uh, so climate change, as we've been talking about all week, is a religious movement. That much is clear. We've seen the carbon indulgences. You can buy a carbon offset just like in the medieval church, you could purchase indulgences for your sins. We've seen the public rituals. We saw on NBC News a climate confessional where you can go in and confess your polluting sins 
to the climate priests at MSNBC or NBC rather. Obviously this irritates the Protestant environmentalists who want to just confess directly to Mother Earth. Over the past several days, we've seen a funeral for a glacier. I don't know how you have a funeral for a glacier. I assume you don't have a cremation, but you have a funeral somehow. We saw that in Switzerland. Now we have a proposal in Bloomberg for a ritual called Meatless Mondays. The guy writing in Bloomberg suggested this. The idea has been floated around for a while, and the idea is you can eat meat every day of the week, but you can't eat meat on Mondays. Now, this is ironic because there was a study in 2015 that came out of Carnegie Mellon University which suggested that meatless diets are actually worse for the environment than diets with meat, and American diets have a lot of meat in it. They found that the meatless diets actually result in more carbon emissions. They result in a larger water footprint. They result in greater energy use. So this is kind of funny. I always love these ironies of the the, uh, activists who are so insistent that we follow one policy that actually is counterproductive to their named goal. But that really isn't their goal, and the science of it doesn't matter, and it doesn't matter whether Meatless Mondays help the environment or hurt the environment, because the point of Meatless Mondays, the point of the whole thing, is not to help the environment. The point is to fulfill a religious longing. I'm Catholic. I abstain from meat on Fridays, at least when I remember. That's a religious discipline. I like it. If I were a leftist or an environmentalist, I would abstain from meat on Mondays because that's the day they've chosen to fulfill their religious disciplines. It's, it's actually kind of funny how d- directly analogous the environmentalist movement has become to the Catholic Church specifically. You've got the confessionals, you've got the indulgences, you've got the uh, abstaining from meat on one day of the week. I think some conservatives are approaching this issue in the wrong way, though. I think a lot of conservatives are saying, because I, I think now pretty much we all agree climate change has ceased to be scientific when you spend all of your time convincing half of young voters that the world is going to end in 10 years. You are no longer scientific. <laughs> You've moved into the realm of something else, something a little more cultish. But uh, what conservatives are now saying, at least some of them, is they're saying climate change is a religion as though that discredits it. But I don't think it discredits it. I, I think actually there's quite a lot to be said here. And there's actually a productive conclusion from the idea that climate change is a religion. We'll get to that in a second. But first, I have got to thank our friends over at Vistaprint. Your next opportunity might be coming right now. And Vistaprint is here to help you own the now with free shipping on any business card in any quantity. You know, it's very important. You never know what is going to happen in the future. Sometimes you've got a guy who's about to offer you a job and you don't have your business card. Sometimes you lose a job and you got to meet a guy who's going to offer you a job and then you hand him your business card. But a lot of times I don't have business cards on me because I'm irresponsible. So I have used Vistaprint for, gosh, at this point, probably eight or nine years. I have, when I have been responsible enough to order business cards, they have always been unbelievably reliable. They have been, they're, they're just the best in the business. You can choose whatever style, finish, shape, or paper you like and get free shipping. Because you can pick the colors, fonts, designs, and images, it means you can create something as unique and compelling as your business. Business cards are really important. Don't be like irresponsible teenage me. Get your business cards. If you're ready to get started on your business card, it's very easy. You plug in your information and logo into hundreds of fresh designs tailored to your type of company. Or you upload your original layout. Then you pick the paper stock. I like the linen one. I don't know. Call me extra. Call me fancy. I don't know what to tell you. I like the linen one. 
Uh, choose the style, choose the quantity that's right for you. You can even upgrade to a unique touch like rounded corners. Order and receive your cards with free economy shipping. These guys are so great to work with. That's why I've worked with them since long before the Daily Wire existed. As if you needed any more reasons to choose Vistaprint, you can now feel good knowing Vistaprint uses only carefully selected inks and responsibly sourced paper stocks. Satisfaction is 100% guaranteed or your money back. They will make it right. They always do. Vistaprint wants you to be able to own the now in any situation, which is why listeners will get free shipping on all business cards, any style, any quantity. Go to vistaprint.com, enter promo code Knowles2. That's Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, and the number two. I guess they have Beyonce as a client as well. You'll get free shipping on all business cards, any style, any quantity, limited time offer. Own the now at vistaprint.com, promo code Knowles2. That is promo code Knowles, followed by the number two. You support our show when you support our sponsors, and we really appreciate that. A lot of conservatives are saying global warming is a religion as if that somehow discredits it. I don't think so. I think it actually speaks pretty well of global warming, or it at least speaks to a genuine longing in leftists, which is human beings are religious creatures. It was Thomas Aquinas who wrote that, or I don't know, one of those really smart old religious guys. Human beings are religious creatures. We have a natural longing for religion, for the divine, for God. It is just built into us. That's why every single civilization everywhere in the world has had religion and religions that are actually somewhat recognizable to one another. Climate change is religion for the left. It's religion for atheists, people who have increasingly abandoned religion over the past four, five, six decades. And so they're channeling it into global warming. They've got their own apocalypse, which is apparently going to happen in 10 years and wipe humanity off the earth. I don't know what that rapture is going to look like. They've got their own sacraments. They've got their own disciplines. They've, and by the way, the minute you point this out, the minute you criticize their cult, they lose it. They go crazy. They've got their own secular saints and they will really come after you, not with the cool, reasoned, balanced approach of people discussing ideas, but they will come after you viciously and violently like cultists. I don't even say this to denigrate them. The challenge for conservatives is not to make fun of them for being cultists. The challenge for conservatives is to take and persuade the left's natural religious longings and turn it back toward true religion. Toward, I think actually this is what a lot of the white privilege stuff is about. I think when, when you talk about white guilt, white privilege, skin privilege, all the identity politics, it's all based on physical characteristics. I just watched Chelsea Handler's horrific documentary on privilege. And uh, she left an event where people were yelling at her for being white. And she said, I liked it. I liked that they put me in my place. Again, we can make fun of her for that. I'm sure there's a lot of psychology there, but it actually speaks to a human longing. We want to be put in our place in a way because we all intuit our own brokenness, our own fallenness, our own imperfect nature. And the way that this would traditionally be discussed is in the language of original sin or broken human nature or imperfectibility. But because the left now denies metaphysical reality, because they deny any spiritual component to our lives and they think we're all just a clump of cells and big meat puppets moving around in a materialist universe, they can't trace their feelings of imperfection, the anxiety that comes from their fallenness and original sin. They can't trace it metaphysically. It has to become physical. It has to be your skin color or your sex or your genitals or whatever. 
The religion has to become a physical religion that is focused on the creature, the creation, the earth itself, rather than the creator in the metaphysical and spiritual world. That's a major difference. It is a natural consequence of atheism because everybody's got to serve somebody. It's a natural consequence of materialism. Our challenge is to pull, pull that back. Our challenge is to turn the left, not just to mock them, but to turn them back toward a more sophisticated and a truer uh, metaphysical reality. Some people wonder why climate change relates so directly to leftism beyond just this, uh, you know, religious aspect, beyond the metaphysical aspect. It's because the effect of climate change hysteria is just coincidentally to give everything to the left that they've wanted for a hundred years. George Will famously called it socialism by the back door. The, the term they use is science denier. It's the same sort of term that now they're applying to us because of global warming science. But this is the same term the left applied to their opponents who opposed communism or socialism for a century. Because the idea of Marxism and communism and socialism is that the left had figured out the science of history. You hear uh, Herbert Marcuse talk about this, other writers of the new left, the old left too. They figured out the science of history. And so if you opposed that, you were a science denier. You had uh, American journalists go over to the Soviet Union and say, I've seen the future and it works. That history was just going to be on the scientific progression. That's why Bill Buckley, when he started the National Review, said a conservative is one who stands athwart history yelling stop. They've been calling us science deniers forever. That's built in to their own ideology. We've got to break that. There's nothing new. I mean, there's not really a new challenge. Even the way they come after you like a mob, there's nothing really new about that either. You've got to stand firm. And we're getting great news out of the White House, which I guess is actually out of the UN, which if I have my way someday will be the Trump condominiums on the East River. President Trump went over to the UN yesterday and he did just that. He stood athwart this intersection of the climate ideology and the leftist politics, which are really the same thing. He stood athwart it in no uncertain terms. It was an excellent performance. We'll get to that in a second. We will get to what scientists have to say about global warming and we'll get to a whole lot more. But first, I've got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. If you are on Facebook and YouTube, go on over to Daily Wire, dailywire.com, 10 bucks a month, $100 for an annual membership. You get me, you get the Andrew Clavin Show, you get the Ben Shapiro Show, you get the Matt Walsh Show, you get to ask questions in the mailbag, that's coming up on Thursday. You get to ask questions backstage. You get Another Kingdom, which is really superb. And you get the Leftist Tears Tumblr. Leftist Tears Tumblr, very important. You know, the left gets very disappointed these days. They thought they had a good candidate. They were going to take Trump out of the White House. They think they can take certain conservative figures out of the public sphere, and then they can't. And then the tears flow. That's a much bigger tidal wave than global warming. And you're, only one of them is going to drown you, so make sure you get your leftist tears tumbler so that you stay nice and safe. Head to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. President Trump went to the UN yesterday and he tackled this issue head on because what the left wants you to believe is that there is a scientific consensus, as though science were made by consensus, that the world is going to end in 10 years. Nobody thinks that. No scientist, not one actual scientist thinks that the human race will be extinct in 10 years, even though that's what politicians are selling us, even though that's what half of young voters apparently believe. 
totally unscientific. But what they, the left wants you to think is that climate change is the scientific issue. Look, it's just the science, no politics involved. And hey, coincidentally, because of that science, you need to give us higher taxes, the redistribution of wealth, reparations for slavery for some reason. That's in, that's in a lot of the Green New Deal-like proposals. Not sure why, but it is. Uh, you need to give us uh, open borders. You need to give us greater international control of government. You need to surrender some of your sovereignty. You need to surrender some of your power when it comes to negotiating trade deals. You need to do all of this because of the science. And you say, what, what does any of that have to do with science? I don't see, they say, no, no, you just have to. That's the natural progression. And so the UN is a great place to do this. This is why the UN has led the way talking about global warming. It just coincidentally, uh, uh, the global warming alarmism achieves all of the UN's goals for a very long time. So President Trump goes to the UN and he's not fooled by this false distinction without a difference. He goes at it head on and he says, using one term, globalist, he sums it all up and he makes clear the future does not belong to the globalists. Here he is. The truth is plain to see. If you want freedom, take pride in your country. If you want democracy, hold on to your sovereignty. And if you want peace, love your nation. Wise leaders always put the good of their own people and their own country first. The future does not belong to globalists. The future belongs to patriots. The future belongs to sovereign and independent nations who protect their citizens, respect their neighbors, and honor the differences that make each country special and unique. Absolutely beautiful. Spot on. You know, there's a defeater for this whole climate change argument to begin with. What we're told by the global climate change movement is we've got to stop Trump. Trump is destroying the world. That's what some people have said, even on television. Trump is destroying the world. And yet, they blame Trump for pulling out of the Paris Climate Accord. They said, that's it. That's going to ruin the whole world. Year or two after Trump pulled out of that global climate accord, they looked at the numbers. Turned out the United States not only didn't put more carbon into the air, didn't pollute more than they had previously, the U.S. actually led the world in reducing their carbon emissions even as they pulled out of the global climate accord. And actually a number of nations, including Western European nations who signed on to the global climate accord, not only didn't follow what they agreed to, they actually increased their polluting. So what Trump is saying, a system of free and sovereign nations with self-government is the best way to have a good peaceful future. I mean, that applies apparently quite literally to the climate change issue because what is the opposite of a free and sovereign nation? You've got China, China, leftism taken to its logical extreme, an actual communist country, leading the world by many multiples in their pollution. We could all stop polluting tomorrow. We could all just sit and stop breathing and hold our breath. Wouldn't do anything because China has such a disproportionate effect. That's not what it's about. It's not about the environment. What it is about is the globalism. It is the leftism. It is you use whatever term you want to use. Trump sees that. And for people who say Trump is adult, he doesn't know anything about politics, he doesn't really know about his opponents, he doesn't know what he's doing, that is a sophisticated 
conclusion to reach. Not a lot of people understand that relationship, that climate change hysteria is socialism by the back door. Not a lot of people have put their finger on that. He has. He gets it and he's speaking very bluntly and he's speaking about protecting the country. It's a beautiful thing. That's a real statesman, someone who stands athwart the mob, stands up for the truth, at least in this regard. He has a unique relationship to the truth when it comes to some personal matters, maybe. <laughs> but, but when it comes to matters of actual uh, statecraft and, and uh, the importance of our country, he's, he's really risen to the occasion and it's something to be applauded. Meanwhile, you got climate scientists, actual climate scientists, 500 of them sent a letter uh, basically begging for an end to all this cultishness. Here's what the, the declaration states. Climate science should be less political while climate policies should be more scientific. Scientists should openly address the uncertainties and exaggerations in their predictions of global warming while politicians should dispassionately count the real benefits as well as the maligned costs of adaptation to global warming and the real costs as well as the imagined benefits of mitigation. They say the, the importance here, the important thing to do is not rush into some crazy policy that likely wouldn't have any effect on the climate anyway, but to understand the facts, to let science pursue scientific inquiry and not get so mixed up in politics as it obviously has been because the entire global warming movement is led by politicians and the tools of politicians. There is no statistical evidence that global warming is intensifying hurricanes, they write, floods, droughts, and such like natural disasters, or making them more frequent. However, CO2 mitigation measures are as damaging as they are costly. For instance, wind turbines kill birds and bats, those poor guys, and palm oil plants destroy the biodiversity of the rainforests. Life is complex, is what they're saying. Certainly this is true in the most complex system we have on Earth, namely our climate. Unfortunately, no one's reading this. No one pays attention because no one cares about the science because all they care about is the politics and at the end of that, their religion. There is uh, a lot more going on in this Ukraine scandal. Just a we'll get to it in a little bit more in depth, but what should be noted, there are reports out today. The pressure on Ukraine that, that Joe Biden is now in trouble for began as early as January 2016 when the Obama White House invited Ukraine's top prosecutors to Washington to discuss fighting corruption in the country. This is right around the time that the prosecutors are looking into Joe Biden's son for all of his shady and obviously corrupt business dealings. The meeting was sort of a surprise, turned out to be basically just setting the stage for Biden through the White House to pressure Ukraine to drop the inquiry into his son. But because of this meeting, this implicates a lot of other people. This implicates the Obama White House. This implicates people around Joe Biden. This shows this wasn't just some uh, coincidence and he happened to be in Ukraine and he said, drop it. This was planned. This, this uh, contradicts a lot of what Joe Biden has told us. It shows us something very important because you see, first of all, you see the Obama White House colluding with the Ukrainians, whatever that means. And then you see Biden colluding with the Ukrainians. Then they're accusing Trump of colluding with the Ukrainians, all this collusion. What it shows you about the left is they accuse you of doing what they themselves are doing. That's, this is an eternal truth of politics. If you are colluding with a foreign government, you accuse your opponent of colluding with a foreign government. Barack Obama was caught on a hot mic saying, I'll give you a special deal, Mr. Medvedev of Russia. I'll give you a special deal, but I'm not going to tell the voters because I'm up for re-election, but I'm going to give you a special deal. A actual collusion on tape. What did they do? They spent three years accusing Trump of colluding with Russia. We have documentary evidence that 
Joe Biden and the Obama White House pressure Ukraine to drop a corruption scandal into his son. What do they do? They accuse Donald Trump of colluding with the Ukrainians. If you're wielding the government for your political purposes, you accuse your opponent of doing that very same thing. If you are abusing children, you accuse your opponent of that very same thing. It's what the left does. That is the hallmark of what they do. And we should call them out for it. We should expect it. It's guaranteed. And when they call, when they get upset because you call them out for it, I think you know you're above the target. We've got to talk about Michelle Williams in the culture. Michelle Williams is somebody, I guess she's a Hollywood somebody, don't even know her. She won an Emmy Award and she, uh, she exposed in a hilarious way the theme of what we're talking about today, the price of lies. Because as she's standing up there holding a glittering gold statue in the fanciest, most glamorous place on earth, getting awarded for making believe, she used that opportunity to complain about an imaginary problem. When you put value into a person, it empowers that person to get in touch with their own inherent value. And then where do they put that value? They put it into their work. And so the next time a woman, and especially a woman of color, because she stands to make 52 cents on the dollar compared to her white male counterpart, tells you what she needs in order to do her job, listen to her. That's what it is. I just got this glittering gold statue for making believe I'm living the dream all over, but I am going to complain about the so-called wage gap, except, and so what she's saying is the wage gap is bad for men and women, but it's especially bad for white men and women of color. The problem with the wage gap, this, this canard that won't go away, is it doesn't exist. They have a point in that there, there is a difference. If you look at the average woman, she does make less money than the average man. I suppose it is the case that if you look at the average woman of color and the average white man and the average 50-year-old and the average this and the average that, that they are different numbers. But we already knew that because men and women work different numbers of hours on average. So that was the first clue that the wage gap isn't really correct. When you control for hours worked, education, time in the workforce, expertise, on and on and on, the wage gap disappears. It virtually vanishes. This is good news. You should celebrate that. That's a good thing. But instead, they push this lie. And there's a cost to that lie because what the lie tells you is, if you're a woman, you can't make it in America. This lady is on a stage holding a glittering gold statue, having the job that little kids dream about having at the very top of it. And her whole speech was, you can't make it. Someone's going to stop you from making it. If you're a woman, you can't make it. Even though I'm here, forget about me, ignore me. And especially, by the way, if you're black, you can't make it. No way, you can't. It's so awful to tell a little kid that. It's so abusive, so exploitative to do that to somebody, to push your political fiction and to push for your preferred policies, whether that be extra regulations or higher taxes or whatever. Before we go today, I don't usually do a stuff I like, but I would like to do a stuff I like because, you know, I, I talk about this all the time. I consider myself very uneducated. I, I feel as though there are a lot of books I should have read when I was a kid. I should have learned some languages. I should, I just, I feel, I think the whole culture is pretty uneducated, but it really bothers me because I would like to be educated. So I went back recently and read one of the books that I should have read probably when I was 10 or 11. Classic work, 1984. You got to read it. 
Because apparently many other people I've talked to haven't read it either, even though it's one that should be taught in every school. And if you haven't read it in a while, reread it. Because it tells you a lot about our culture. It, it describes this dystopian, oppressive environment where the powers that be control the, the words that you say, even the thoughts that you think, and eliminate truth, just like Pontius Pilate. There is no truth. There is no right or wrong. There is only what the party says, the eternal present where the party is always right. And it has a lot of uh, parallels to what we're experiencing today. And there's a lesson at the end of the book. I don't think it's a spoiler alert, plus the book's been out for a very long time. So, you know, if you haven't read it, that's on you. The only way they can break you is if they can force you to acquiesce to a lie. And not just acquiesce to a lie, but to love a lie. The way that they break the protagonist at the end of 1984 is they force him to say that 2 plus 2 equals 5. And not just to believe, or not just to say rather that 2 plus 2 equals 5, but to believe that 2 plus 2 equals 5. It's a profound moment. It's so basic, it's so simple, but it is profound because you'll notice the angrier and angrier and angrier the left gets about political correctness, about, about them imposing their fantasy views on the world. They just want you to acquiesce to it, and then they want you to believe it. And you don't just need to recognize Big Brother. You got to love Big Brother. You got to love it. And if you don't do that, if you say, hmm, I just don't think this is quite right. Hmm, I think what you're doing is a little bit wrong. Hmm, I, I disagree. You won't get a civil disagreement. You will get the rage of a thousand sons. And as in 1984, they will torture you. <laughs> they will torture you. I mean, you will lose a lot. You could lose a lot. You could lose your livelihood, your reputation. You could lose friends. You could lose almost everything. But only you can say that 2 plus 2 equals 5. And you can also say 2 plus 2 does not equal 5. They can take everything you want. There was a story about a, uh, an opera singer who was, this is not in 1984, this is another story, an opera singer who was living in a totalitarian country. And uh, the leader of that country wanted to come back and uh, wanted her to sing for him. She wouldn't sing for him. And he said, I can make you sing. And what she said to him was, you can make me scream, but you can't make me sing. Very important these days as the left in particular come, comes after everybody, comes after us, tries to control our speech and our thoughts, makes us go along, bullies us. Very important. Only you can say two plus two equals five and only you can refuse to say that two plus two equals five and keep your dignity because it might be convenient to give in to lies and give in to cynicism and disregard the truth in the short run. It's always convenient in the short run, but in the long run, it's all you've got. Thank you very much. That's the Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. In the meantime, have a good day. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, 
including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Rebecca Dobkowitz and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Danny D'Amico. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. And our production assistant is Nick Sheehan. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. If you prefer facts over feelings, if you aren't offended by the brutal truth, if you can still laugh at the nuttiness filling our national news cycle, well, tune on in to The Ben Shapiro Show, where you'll get a whole lot of that and much more. We'll see you there. Mm-hmm.